0: Darkness loves darkness, so it was like the worse I started feeling about myself, the worse I felt, and the less I wanted to see people, the less I wanted to be around people, and honestly, I was really embarrassed by my body and by everything.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to episode 113 of That's So Maven. I'm not feeling super great today, so I'm gonna keep this short and sweet, but before we jump into today's episode, I do wanna thank our sponsor, Imperfect Produce. You've heard me talk about them a million times. I absolutely love Imperfect Produce. I get a box every single week, and for those of you who have asked, I get the medium organic box. So Imperfect Produce is basically a CSA that delivers fruits and veggies, and now also lots of other non-perishables that either have imperfection or there was an overproduction or just an issue with the supply system, and they're able to offer it to you for 30% less than you would typically spend. So it's a really great deal. It's an awesome move to help support the environment, help reduce Food waste, and I'm just a really big fan of the company and the people that work there. I've only had positive experiences with them, so I hope you guys check them out. You can use the code HealthyMaven at checkout to save 50% off your first box. And really exciting, they've added a bunch of new cities, including Boston and I believe Pittsburgh, or maybe it's Philadelphia. It's one of them, but the other one is coming soon, and I know New York is coming soon, so make sure you sign up. Use the code HEALTHYMAVEN to save 50% off your first box. Now let's chat about today's episode. When I asked you guys at the end of season four to fill out that survey all about past episodes that you've enjoyed, guests that you want to hear from... There was a resounding call for conversations around body image and recovery from eating disorders. And I totally understand why, as someone who has been very transparent about their own recovery, I think a lot of you have gravitated to the fact that I have been so open about it and I have shared a lot. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I talked a little bit about this, but there is kind of this final piece to recovery, which is kind of just living your life and not really thinking so much about your body and not being surrounded so much by these conversations. And personally, that's kind of where I'm at. I definitely have days where I'm you know, not totally super stoked about my body, but I think that's normal and human. And it doesn't lead to me manipulating or trying to make changes to look a different way. I think we all just, you know, have moments just like with our mental health. We have days where we're just not feeling so great. And we have other days when we're feeling awesome. And that's just kind of how it goes. And for me, I just don't view my body as this Piece of art that I need to turn into something, but instead as this tool that I can use to help create the life that I want to live. That being said, I do think that these are really important conversations to have. So while I may not be talking about it as much as I used to on earlier seasons of the show, I definitely think that it's something that we should continue to expand upon. And I realized that there was a really important conversation that we haven't had here on the show, and that's about binge eating, and binge eating disorder recovery, and I knew exactly who I wanted to bring onto the show to talk about this topic because it is a really important one and she has been super transparent about her own journey to recovery, and that is Lex Daddio from Restoring Radiance. One of the reasons why I wanted to have Lex here on the show today is because She showcases a lot of her journey in recovery, but also the joy that she finds in food and in life, and I think that's a really important piece as I talked about, you know, being able to live and enjoy your life and know that there is food freedom and just freedom from any kind of rules, whether it comes to food or beyond that. And Lex very much embraces this and shares that with her audience, and her story is you know, not necessarily unique, but definitely powerful. And there's a lot of people who can relate to it, myself included. So with that, let's just jump into today's episode and stay tuned at the end of the episode for some show notes and all that good stuff. All right, here's Lex. Hi, Lex, welcome to the show. Hi, Davita. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled to chat with you today. I was just saying to you how Georgia and I, as we plan for season five, we're so excited about the possibility of having you on the show and you agreed to come on and share more of your journey with the listeners and with me. So I'm super honored to have you here today. Well, I'm honored to be on here. Seriously, I'm so excited. Oh, thank you. So for the listeners who maybe don't know a whole lot about you and your journey, can you just share a little bit more about who you are? Yeah, sure. So I'll try to
0: give like the short little spiel.
1: but We like the is- long spiel on here. Okay. <laughs> Go for me. it.
0: Um, so my name is Lex Daddio. I am behind the Instagram Restoring Radiance, and I've been doing it for about seven years now. I live in Richmond, Virginia with my husband and my little one-year-old tea and I basically started my Instagram back in the day when I was actually going through like we'll just go right into it when I was going through the height of an eating disorder I had a really severe binge eating disorder and it was when Instagram like seriously wasn't cool like there was nothing on there and it was a completely private account um I just started it as like a personal food and exercise journal so I could kind of just like have accountability for myself and then I remember one day I accidentally pressed public. I don't know why I did that. I don't know what happened, but like all my friends got a notification saying that I had this account called restoring radiance. They were like, oh my gosh, what is this? And I was like, truly my worst nightmare. Basically, that's probably what like really brought my eating disorder to light to begin with, uh, which is pretty cool because it was like one of the scariest things that I ever did because I felt really exposed. But at the same time, It was truly one of the best things that ever happened because just through that, I kind of kept going with Instagram and I just kept doing it, even though I've been through, like, went through college, graduated, traveled places, and I had a full time job and did all that. And I've just still been doing it. And kind of the basis of it was just really sharing just recipes, like a little bit of light and like sometimes a dark place and, um, just trying to encourage others that if they're going through any kind of disordered eating or eating type of thing or, or just honestly any hard part in their life that there can be light after the darkness. And I just truly believe that anybody can be healed and recovered from anything because I was just in such a deep, deep, scary, dark pit and thinking just, I remember there were days that I was just like, blah. And I was just like, I don't even want to leave my room. And just so many times, I was never suicidal or anything like that. But I definitely was depressed and miserable. And anyway, so I just try to use my Instagram now as a purpose to just really be a light and help others feel encouraged that like, if I can be healed, that they can be too.
1: Absolutely. And I think that comes across as soon as you land on your platform is really the joy that stands out and I love how much joy you share around food, which I think is so important after having an eating disorder, is yeah. being able to find that joy in food, to get creative with recipes, to not let food control your life, but also to let it be this joyful thing. And I think that's something that's really difficult when you come from a place where, you know, food is something that has a number attached to it. How much can you eat? What if I ate too much? You know, What are the repercussions of that? So being able to enjoy food again is a really big deal. And I want to just take things back a little bit to when you first developed an eating disorder. Do you have a memory of that? Do you know how things got started for you?
0: Well, when I think back about it, because I've kind of thought about this a few times, but when I think back, I remember, you know, growing up, I was never like the skinny girl in school. I was always like a little more round than most of my friends and like my clothes didn't quite fit the way theirs did. And that didn't really bother me then. I did eat like, I mean, I used to like eat so the things I used to eat now. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like I just can't even believe that I would like eat all that in a day. Um, <laughs> but honestly, like I was always the girl that like my mom was like, very into organic food before it was a thing. So we had like all of our, instead of having like Oreos, we had like Numino's or instead of having <laughs> white bread, we had Ezekiel bread. Now it's cool, but it certainly was not then. And we had almond butter and jelly sandwiches and everybody was like, ew, I don't want to trade lunches with you. Um So from then I really knew something was different with my eating habits because I would go to friends' houses growing up and like their parents, it's kind of funny thinking about it, would always have like Special foods for me. Like my one friend's mom always had chocolate ice cream in the freezer. My other one had uncrustables in her fridge, and like the other one had like these little mini pizzas, which makes me laugh now. Like I always like would go over to their house and eat all of their food because my food seemed so boring. So I always had like this weird thing with food growing up. I don't know if I would have called it an eating disorder then. I mean, I was like that was middle school, and then as I moved into high school, I mean, I definitely that's when I really started like all the diets. I mean, I did this special K diet that did not work. I did lots of different things and all just to fail. And that made me feel miserable. So I definitely had like a lot of things around food. But then the summer before I went to college, I remember I was living with my mom and we were at our summer lake house and we both decided to do like this summer long exercise thing with the food included. It was like one of the beach body programs or something. And I remember I started seeing results and I got like super obsessed. I like started getting skinnier. My clothes were starting to get looser, but like I was like on the beginning of the high. So I was like feeling better at first, but then I got so obsessive about it that I became like, I wasn't already binging at that point, but like I became so obsessed with healthy eating. That like everything had to be perfect. Every label had to be perfect. Everything had to be like all organic. I like stopped eating out at restaurants. I stopped um, hanging out with my friends. I like got really standoffish and was just all health and wellness. Like that was it. Or like, I don't even know if I would say health and wellness, but I was like overly obsessed. I became vegan. I did all these things. And then after my first semester at college, my world came crashing down. I had a couple of like big life events that happened that really were like heart wrenching. And I, just that's when the binges began. Um It was also when I was like, I couldn't keep up perfectly healthy eating anymore. And I was just like in a toxic relationship and all these things. So that's really when it started. So looking back at it, I know I've always had a, a weird relationship around food. But then really thinking about it, I think it was more of the eating perfectly that led me into the binges down the road. Does that make sense? You totally. I mean?
1: And I think, you know, th- the thing about health and wellness is that It's such a fine line between making healthy choices for your body and going overboard with healthy. It's that, you know, there's the physical side of it and then there's the mental side of it. And it's really hard to balance the two. And it's so easy to tip over onto the side where everything needs to be perfectly clean and labeled with all of, you know, the buzzwords out there that you become afraid of anything that doesn't fall within those categories. And yet, like, at the same time, there are certain things that you can do that can feel good for your body. You know, we're not inherently supposed to be like, F it. Like, I'm (laughs) going to do whatever I want all day, every single day and, you know, hope for the best. Like, it's okay to make healthy choices for your body. And yet, there's also the mental side of it where it becomes obsessive. And I think that's where things go down that dangerous path. 100%. So let's talk a little bit more about binge eating and your experience with it, because I think there are some people who are unfamiliar with what that looks like. And it does fall under the category of an eating disorder. I think a lot of people, when they picture eating disorders, they picture people who are restricting their food. And yet binging is also an eating disorder. It's in the DSM. It's a very real thing that people struggle with. So bring me back to that time and sort of what led you to binge.
0: Um, Yeah, it's funny. I never knew I had an eating disorder when I was going through it, which I mean, a lot of times I think you don't know what you're going through when you're going through it. But I had never heard the term binge eating. I didn't know what that was. It was like long after when I was going through it that I like that clicked and I read it somewhere and I was like, oh my gosh, that's what, that's what's happening. Um, But basically, yeah, eating disorders doesn't mean you have to be small or big. It doesn't, the body shape does not matter. But so what binge eating basically was, was, and it doesn't always happen this way, but most of the time I would restrict a lot during the day and then it would come to like that 3 p.m. hour of the day or something around then where I would literally just like, stuff with my face with every food I could find. It was just like, all of a sudden, like my body was one starving, which I realized later. But I mean, I would go through drive-throughs. I would would, like go to the grocery store and buy everything. I mean, I would get like, eat jars of peanut butter and cheese and like stuff my face so much until I was like so uncomfortable. I would like just lock myself in my room in college and just shut my door and just not let any of my roommates around. And I would just watch Netflix and like literally cry in my bed because I was so miserable and so uncomfortably full. like I like literally could not move. There was like, no, the day was done. I couldn't move. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I felt disgusting which is also so hard on your digestion and just your whole life, all that. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> and I, I literally would just, I would eat everything in sight and all the, like I had so many trigger foods. Like I used to be scared, like I would eat peanut butter, which is crazy now because I eat it daily. But, you know, I couldn't even touch peanut butter because I'd be so scared if I touched it, I would binge on it. I never actually was like bulimic. So I never tried to do any of that. I actually tried, but it never worked for me to be completely honest. So I would never, it would just be stuck in there, which also was terrible. But I mean, I even used laxatives and all that stuff because it was like the only way I could think to get all that food out. And so basically it was just a really crazy cycle. I mean, that would go anywhere from being like three days in a row to every other week to every week to once a month. Like, I went through so many phases. Um, I think a lot of it was emotional. It was just like my way of suppressing my feelings, like suppressing what I was dealing with. I couldn't think of any other way. And the only thing I knew to control in my life was food at the time. I didn't know how to handle all this big stuff that I had to deal with. And so I think a lot of it was that. I also know I was really intense, like I told you, with like the healthy eating. And I was just so over obsessive that I was doing a lot of juice cleansing at the time and like, not for the right reasons. It was all just so I could like lose weight and not like, I truly thought the less I could eat, the healthier I would be, which is so crazy to think now because that is not right. Um, so yeah, anyway, so a lot of it stemmed from restricting too. So I was literally, my body was so hungry. I didn't know what else to do other than like eat. I remember I would try to just like survive on a banana all day long or like on carrots and hummus like five carrots and a little bit of pumice, which is so crazy because I eat so much more than that now.
1: Um, But anyway, if that all makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know something about binging is that it tends to be something that people do in secret. There's so much shame attached to it. Was that your experience? Did people in your life know what was going on?
0: Oh, yeah. So I kept it secret for as long as I possibly could. I wasn't in a relationship at the time, and I did end up telling my boyfriend at one point down the road, and he he knew about it, but he wasn't very, I don't know if I would say supportive of it, but he just was, he couldn't understand, Um, and that's fair, because he didn't, you know, he didn't know what I was going through, so I didn't feel supported through it, but I hid like crazy, which is crazy, because I am such a people person, and during this time in my life, I really thought I was an introvert, which is funny, because now being recovered, I realize I'm actually more of an extrovert, and I didn't know that because it was just like suppressing like everything about me. I just, I would like literally hide in my room all day long and like lock my door and I didn't want to be seen by anybody. I wasn't a very fun college friend at times. (laughs) Sometimes I was fun. And then other times I was just miserable and basically just hiding away. But that's how I knew, you know, like darkness loves darkness. So it was like the worse I started feeling about myself, the worse I felt and the less I wanted to see people, the less I wanted to be around people. And honestly, I was really embarrassed by my body and by everything. I had gained 40 pounds in college at that point, mostly from binging and of course other things too. But I just, I was really embarrassed. My clothes didn't fit. I was really uncomfortable in my body. It was just, I was either starving or so overstuffed. I couldn't function. So yeah, basically it just kept me in a really, really dark place. But
1: truly the darker it got, the darker it got. Yeah. I mean, like you said, darkness likes darkness. When you get that far deep, you almost begin to crave it, like that's where you feel most safe. And that's kind of the truth of any kind of depression is that it doesn't feel like there is a way out. And the only thing that's comforting is your own sadness. I know, because I've been there, that's been my experience as well. And it really requires other people to notice what's happening and, you know, be a support system and encourage you to really be able to transition out of that phase of your life. And, you know, how did that happen for you? How did you go from struggling with binge eating to seeking help?
0: I actually had told my sister, she's nine years older than me, but we're really close. And this summer after my freshman year of college, I actually ended up breaking up with my boyfriend and I moved out to California to live with my sister. And so she knew about it. um, And she kind of tried to help me work through it. She couldn't really do anything at the end of the day, but she just really supported me through it and let me cry through a lot of stuff and deal with it. And I did end up telling my mom. However, she had never like dealt with food things that she couldn't really understand. So that was fine. But I still felt super alone. I did start finding people like online and stuff that kind of started talking about it because people started coming like, I think it was a balanced blonde I had followed at the time. Mm -hmm. Later down the road, she had come out talking about how she had orthorexia. And I was like, what the heck is that? But then I started like people started talking about this stuff and it was like, oh, wow, like this, you know, it's not normal, but it's common. Like you're so not alone in this. There's so many people that deal with it and it's crazy. But it made me realize like I wasn't I really, truly felt like I was the only person in the world that ever dealt with this, which was wild. But uh, so, yeah, I kind of just I told my sister and that helped a lot. And then I kind of started telling more people. And the more I talked to people, the more I realized the more people struggled with it and that I really wasn't alone. I saw counselors. um, I saw a lot of Christian counselors that were helpful. But I I think at the end of the day, I talked to a lot of people that hadn't been through it. And so they couldn't really relate. And so it was hard to like, kind of get anything past them. But then I had worked with one lady
1: who I worked with a lot of people. (laughs) That's okay. Sometimes you got to cycle through a lot of people to find the right fit for you.
0: Yeah. And anyway, so then I had ended up telling my whole family at times and that was really helpful. But For a while, I honestly really felt like they were just always watching me and like kind of, and they didn't mean to, they loved me so much and they just wanted to help me, but I was just like so miserable and, and I felt bad and they felt bad and they wanted to help and they didn't know what to do. But yeah, so I told them and, but I I really did just feel like they were always watching my food habits, um, which was like really scary, (laughs) but I realized they were just trying to help me. But yeah, so I went to a lot of therapists. I worked with a lot of people. I did a lot of praying, a lot of church that helped me a lot. And all of that, but the more I exposed it and the more I brought it into the light, truly like the more the healing came.
1: And it's so true, like what we talked about with binge eating and shame, so much of recovery comes from eliminating the shame that you carry. And like my recovery only began when I started sharing about it on my blog because I hid in secret. I didn't want anybody to know about this. And it wasn't until I opened up and then people started reaching out being like, I'm going through this too, that I realized that one of the biggest pieces of recovery is being able to help other people by being honest about your own experience.
0: Yes, I so agree with that. I would say the same thing as far as my Instagram as well. Like the more I started talking about it, the more I realized, oh my gosh, so many people deal with it. And it does make you feel better that you're not alone. It makes me sad that so many people deal with it because I just remember how hard it was. But that's why I truly just feel so passionate about trying to help others break free because I just don't want anybody to have to deal with it. Or if they are, I just, I wish I could have watched somebody that had been like, you're not alone.
1: Absolutely. And and the funny thing is, is that now when I talk about this, I have friends from, you know, from college and like shortly after college when I was really struggling with an eating disorder telling me I was struggling too. And, you you know, you realize like you're kind of living parallel lives with the people in your life who maybe dealing with the same things that you are, but we're just afraid to talk about it. And I think that's one of the positive sides of social media is that we are being a lot more open and transparent about our struggles. There's definitely some downsides that come with it. Yeah. And we can talk about that. But there's also this hugely positive side, which is that we now have people, like actual people, inspiring lives based off their own experiences. And that was not something that existed when I was in college. Like Instagram was not a thing. I didn't have people I could follow. I had Us Weekly telling me this was how you can lose weight and get this perfect beach body. And now we have people telling us like, you don't need a perfect beach body. You just need a body and wear a bathing suit. Right. And that, that didn't exist. And it's a really beautiful thing that's come out of social media and just normal humans sharing their experiences.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. To see it now because the same with me when I was in college, there really wasn't that. It was like kind of starting but not really and not to what it is today. Like you said, there definitely are downsides to it, but there are a lot of positive sides to it too. And that's why I try to be a positive light in all of it or, you know, I do my best here. But I'm not always perfect either.
1: So let's chat about when you started your Instagram. Like, You started it secretly. It was a private account. What kind of things were you sharing to help you in your own recovery?
0: (laughs) My first photo, if you go all the way back, which I won't delete because I think it's cool to see like how much things have changed. My first photo is actually a juice cleanse. Um, And it's like a week before my sister's wedding. It's like, oh, juice cleanse. And then I would like show photos. I would like write on my photos and like edit them all funny, like just not at all what they look like today. And I would like show like, oh worked out, ate this food, did this doing good. Like it was just like a literally like a personal journal. And then it would be like, ate oatmeal. Good job. (laughs) Not really. But it was funny. Like, I I don't know if I really even did like recipes at that point at all. It was just kind of like literally showing like I ate this for breakfast, lunch and dinner. And this is my day and I worked out today. And that was it. (laughs)
1: So at that point, would you have considered yourself in recovery? Or like, had you come to terms yet with what you were experiencing? Or, you know, where were you at?
0: Yeah, I was definitely still dealing with it. It was a lot less. But that was actually really when I started, it was junior year of college. And that was truly the time when I think it was actually really, really bad. And then it did get a lot better, like really closely after, um, after I started, which I think kind of helped me. It was just like a way to be like almost accountable, like not to binge doing it and doing the process. It just kind of felt safe to me, just kind of felt comfortable. I don't, I don't really know how to explain it other than that, but it was really, really helpful, but I was definitely still going through it. I think I've truly been through a lot of different phases since starting my Instagram, like there's been times where I thought I was recovered and I really don't think I was back in the beginning. And I would say truly like the real recovery was like right before I got married. So it was probably like three to four years ago, I would say that I like really had felt recovered.
1: Which is interesting because that tends to be a time when a lot of eating disorders develop is right before a wedding. I know so many women who, you know, want to shed for the wed and <laughs> want to lose weight and like get as thin as possible before their wedding and then it's done and it's like oh crap how do i go back to normal now because you've now set this new standard for yourself so it's interesting that that was a time how do you feel like your husband played a role in your recovery not to take you know any credit away from you but did having a partner help in that process? Oh, 100%. Honestly, Thomas
0: has been like one of the biggest supporters in my whole life. I can't even tell you. He's just, he's been so amazing with just supporting me in all of it that it's really made me feel so much better. And he would talk me through stuff. So I don't even know why or how he's so good at talking through everything, but he would really kind of help me. He's very level headed when I could feel a very like up and down and up and down. And he's just like a very balanced person. He's also a super normal eater. So that was super helpful for me to like actually be like, oh, wow, he can like eat that and still feel fine. And so when we started dating and stuff, we would go out to dinner like all the time. And little did he know, like I was like really restricting all day long so that I could go out and have dinner with him. But like, so this is actually after I got out of college, and I started exercising again, because I enjoyed it and like starting to eat better. And I started to feel better. And then I was like in la la land of dating him. And so I was just so happy that I I didn't think about food as much. I just started feeling good because it wasn't my only like thought in my brain. And so we still got to dinner and stuff. And honestly, this is probably when it really started helping me to like allow myself to eat food. When we would go out to dinner, and he'd, I didn't want to tell him like, "Oh, I don't eat any of that." So I would just eat it <laughs> and like just go with it and like pretend I was cool, and it didn't matter. And it really like helped me ease my way into like reintroducing these foods again. But he has just been in such an incredible supporter and has really just helped me through it by just, like, listening. And when I told him for the first time, he just wasn't – I thought he was going to be so grossed out. And, like, you know, I just, like, my own personal thing, I felt so grossed out and shameful. I thought he was going to, like, think I was just gross. And he didn't at all. He still loved me through it and loved me through all the sizes anyway. And he's just been really encouraging and like a light in my life. And he's helped me a lot and helped me even counsel other girls, because he just has like a different perspective of it all. And just doesn't think he just has like a really big compassion, I think, for others that go through it, too. Um, He's never dealt with any kind of eating thing. So yeah, so overall, he's been super helpful. And I think really starting to incorporate all the fun foods and stuff when we were dating really, really helped me a lot, too.
1: So about a year ago, I guess it's been a year now, you had a beautiful baby boy. And I'd love to chat a little bit about how pregnancy affected your recovery journey. Did thoughts come up for you? Or, you know, sometimes it can be a really positive experience. Other times it can bring up a lot of negative thoughts. How did pregnancy feel for you watching your body change?
0: So in pregnancy, it was kind of funny because I've always had a problem with like a hard time with my body growing up. I always had like an issue with body image, all of that stuff. And pregnancy was the first time in my life that I really felt so good in my own skin. I was just like, I think it was because it wasn't really about me anymore um, at first when you're just like kind of feeling bloated and like feel weird, I was like, oh gosh, this is weird. But it was like, I finally learned to like truly embrace my body. And in that first trimester when literally I, by 4 PM, I just wanted to be horizontal on the couch because I was so tired. I did not want to cook anything. All I wanted to eat was carbs. It's was the only way I could survive. And instead of fighting it and being frustrated, I actually truly embraced it. And it was pregnancy. I am so thankful was one of the best I've ever felt in my life. I honestly didn't really have many negative thoughts. Like I enjoyed having a belly. I enjoyed having like a life in me. I know it's just so crazy to explain, but it was really cool. And it was like, I was such an honor. It took really all the shift off of me and really made me think about my baby and my belly and like growing him and taking care of him. So it was cool. But I will say postpartum, and I had heard this before that when you have an eating disorder, like postpartum can be kind of rough, and it can bring up some thoughts again. And there were days where I think it's, you know, whenever you're like, totally lack of sleep, and everything feels a lot more dramatic when you don't sleep. And you know, you're just so tired, all you kind of crave is like sugar and carbs, truly, because you're craving energy, right? So There were times and days where I just I did have thoughts come back in um, at the beginning when I was just so tired and exhausted. But the difference then was that I was able to, like, catch them where before I, like, didn't catch them. But instead of, like, sinking and being miserable in my thoughts, I would, like, tell Thomas and I would, like, tell him about it, which is my husband. And I would tell him and I'd be like, I don't know why I'm thinking about this or, like, why it's coming up. And he'd be like, well, it's okay. Just, like, you know what to do with it now. And so it would be like, oh, yeah. I do know what to do with it now. Like I have the tools now to like deal with it. So I just like didn't let them fester there. I kind of like reframed my thoughts and moved on. Not that I always did it perfectly, but I will say I definitely dealt with some like weird things postpartum. But now that I have a lot more sleep and my baby sleeps really great now, I feel much better.
1: And I think that's a huge misconception about recovery is the idea that you never have negative thoughts, that you never have negative thoughts about your body or things that you might want to change. I think that's part of the human experience. We're living in a society that strives for perfection, so of course we're comparing ourselves to that. It's what happens afterwards. It's are you then motivated to change something about your body or can you sit with the thought and know that it will pass? And I think That's where I've noticed in my own recovery is that I absolutely have days where I'm just like not feeling that great. And like, that's okay. It's, you know, do I then go to the gym and spend three hours there and start restricting my food? That's where the problem is.
0: Right. And it's not that you'll never have negative thoughts again. It's just that when you get them, it's what you do with them that matters.
1: Exactly. So something that you talk a lot about is intuitive movement and finding an exercise Routine that works for you. How has exercise changed, you know, throughout your recovery and throughout pregnancy? So I was never really like athletic.
0: I was never really great at exercise. Like all my friends would be like, let's go on a run. And I'm like, Ugh, I'd rather not. Like I just was never, I was active, but I just didn't really like exercise. I think it was just always a negative thing in my brain just kind of like connected to losing weight and like looking good and dieting and all that stuff, whatever. Um, But later down the road, after I think this was after I got married, I just wanted to feel good. I just like started really liking it. I did have to take about six months off. I had lost my period a couple times after my eating disorder. And so I worked with Nourishing Minds Nutrition and I ended up taking off like six months of exercise and I just like walked like I would only walk and I think that really flipped my brain I started like really enjoying moving instead of like hating it it was kind of I didn't have any pressure to like go work out because like I wasn't supposed to so it was like okay well I'll just go on a walk because like it's beautiful outside and I'd love to go explore the city it'd be great right so I just really enjoyed that and I think the more I moved and the more active I was just kind of like the better I felt and like it gave me more energy and was like okay this is kind of cool and then once I had gotten my period back and all that stuff and moving on then I started being like okay well like maybe I'm gonna start incorporating like some weights so I just like would do like at home exercise programs and I just like liked them they were fun I, I wasn't like rigid about them I wasn't like okay I have to do these seven days of workouts or Else I fail. It was more of just like, okay, like today I'm going to do, like it might take me two weeks to get through seven days of workouts and that's fine. And then I started, my one friend made me, or made me, she was like, come on, come to a pure bar class with me. And I'm like, okay, like that sounds frightening. I'll probably be terrible at it. And I went and I honestly hated the first week. (laughs) I was like, this is terrible. Why do you do this workout? Because I just didn't know like what I was doing. And I just was very uncomfortable in like a group setting of working out because I always felt like, very insecure. And the more I did it, like all of a sudden, I fell in love with it. And it just really made me feel good. It made my body, it just really jived with my body really well. And I just started really feeling good. And then when I was pregnant, the first trimester, I was so tired. I didn't really do anything other than walk. But as I moved on and got into the second trimester and had a lot more energy, I started doing pure bar again, and I swear it is why I felt so, this is not like a shout out to pure bar, but I just swear that like, this is why I felt so good in pregnancy. I just, even if I didn't even like barely get to do any of the movements because my belly got so big by the end, like, I would just show up and I would just feel better. It was just like a really encouraging environment. And it was just like small isometric movements that are really great for a woman's body. And it just like helped me build up abs and like just strengthen me for labor because that's like literally the hardest exercise you'll ever do in your life. And I don't know. It just made me feel really good. So I started really craving feeling good and having a community too was helpful. But I still like to do like at-home workouts sometimes if I can't make it to a class. And, you know, I have a baby so sometimes – you got to rearrange your schedule and working out at home is a lot easier. I enjoy moving because I have an able body and I'm thankful that I can. And there was so much time in my life. I think I wasted sitting in a room miserable after a binge that it's like, I just kind of want to take life by the reins and just go with it. So I like to be active and I like to get out and walk and move my body. And so I think my perspective of movement and exercise has changed a lot. Instead of it being like, I'm going to exercise to like shed the pounds or like, shed the baby weight or shed the meal I just ate, it's more of like, uh, I know that if I go to bar this morning, like I'll just be in such a good mood. Or I know if I go on a walk or take tea on a walk after he wakes up for my movement today, like, I know it'll just feel good. And we'll both like being outside and vitamin D feels good
1: and the oxygen and all that. Yeah, I mean, that completely resonates with me. I never thought I would be one of those people who works out like for their mental health, because it just feels good because for so many years in my life, exercise was just this tool to look a certain way and, you know, exercise routines were meant to be followed and you had to be rigid about it. And yet I've learned that I actually genuinely enjoy working out and it is possible to have a healthy relationship with it. Yes, it is. So, something that I love, as I mentioned earlier, is just kind of the ray of positivity that you are on social media and that you really have helped so many people find joy in food, especially after struggling with an eating disorder. So, I'm wondering, you know, what practices do you have in place to stay grounded as a member of the health and wellness community? Because It is such a tricky climate and it can be really overwhelming at times. So, you know, what practices have worked for you?
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much. That was so sweet. I enjoy hearing that because I really think I was so sad for so long. To see the word joy associated with my name feels really good. I think that's a great thing. But. First of all, with boundaries with social media, I'll start there really quick. Um, I'm not always perfect at that. I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to, you know, really just not be on my phone much when he's awake and mostly be working when he's napping or before and after so that, you know, I can really spend time with him and really just be present rather than just like sitting there scrolling on my phone, which I'm guilty of. You know, I'm human, so it, it does happen. But I try not to do that. And my big thing is, I try to create boundaries around like certain times of day for them to be like really important that like I don't have my phone, or I'm just like I'm on. Like if I'm gonna be with tea, I'm gonna be on. If I'm gonna be with my husband, like date night, like I'm gonna be on and not off my phone present to the moment. That's like my goal of like what I tried to do with as far as boundaries of that. And as far as sharing, I sometimes probably honestly share too much. Sometimes my husband is like, babe, privacy. I'm like, Oh, yeah, sorry. I just like have always been super since I like opened up the conversation about my eating disorder and started talking about it. I've become a super open person. And I am literally an open book. I will like, tell you most things. I mean, there's, of course, stuff that I, I keep private. But personally, my husband and I have been talking about this a lot. I think there's a lot of complaining on social media. I think misery kind of loves company. And I think it's okay to share, you know, when you're going through a hard thing or something like that. And I think it's like you said, it's connecting with people about stuff. But I do think there gets to a point where some stuff feels very complainy, And I just don't want to feed into that or give into that. So I try to just mostly share like the positive things because I'm on here to inspire, it doesn't mean that I'm perfect. And there's days that I don't feel like storing. So I don't story. And maybe I'm just having a day I don't feel like it. So I'm not going to just like sit on there and be like, well, I'm miserable today. And I'm just really tired. So I'm just not gonna you know, I don't want to be like a Debbie Downer. So my main thing of Instagram is really to try to be a light. So I'm not always perfect or always on. So sometimes I just don't share because I'm don't feel
1: like it. <laughs> Totally. And I think we're all entitled to those boundaries. It's something that I've had to learn as I've shared more and more of myself, that those boundaries change all the time. And I used to share a lot of those bad days and a lot of that negativity. And then it got to a point where I realized that I don't have to share that. I don't owe that to anybody. And at the same time, like. I can choose to process that on my own and not have to spread that to other people. And I think it's totally cool to like be honest about your journey and to bring some of that negativity because it's real. But like you said, like we're all finding our own limits, our own boundaries with social media and what feels good. And now if I'm like, I don't feel like being online today, I'm like, I'm not going online (laughs) and I don't feel badly about that.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think and and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's just like what your purpose and what your point of your Instagram is, you know what I mean? And it's just for me like acknowledging that yes, I do have bad days. Yes, I'm not perfect. Yes, my husband and I fight. That it's like I we are human, but like I don't choose to share that.
1: Yeah, and that's fine. Yeah. Right. So I know, right? It's one of those things that seems so obvious. And yet I've had so many times where I'm like, I should be sharing this. And I'm like, no, I don't have to. I don't have to share if I don't want to share it.
0: Yeah. It's like sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to, like, I feel like I'm supposed to share this. And Tom's like, you don't have to. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're probably right. I
1: don't share every single second. (laughs) So true. But sometimes I just have fun. So anyway, it's true. It's true. Mm -hmm. Every day looks different in the social media landscape. And I'm learning to be okay with that. Yeah, true. So as T is getting older, I'm curious, you know, have you thought of what kind of relationship you want to set for him with food and exercise and just his relationship with his body? Because I'm sure when you become a parent, and, you know, I'm actually not sure because I'm not a parent, but (laughs) I would expect that you start to think of things and the choices that you make in the context of how it might be perceived by your children. Have you thought of what that might look like? Yes. I have thought about this a lot, actually.
0: Um, There's a couple of things. So first thing, when it comes to food, I don't want T to be afraid of any food. I don't want him to be like, oh, mom says chocolate chip cookies are bad. You know, I I want it to be – I – I have written a post on this before, but I just want my house to be a house where there are warm, fresh chocolate chip cookies or I don't know, maybe they're store bought, but probably homemade because I love to bake on the counter and just, you know, like they're always there as an option because I want him to be at the point where if he wants one, he can have one. And if he doesn't really feel like he wants one right now, then he doesn't have to have one. I don't want him to be afraid of food. I don't want him to have fear. I want him to taste different cultures and cuisines. And I want him to have like a very versatile palate. And we've really incorporated that since we started feeding him real food um, at six months. I have given him everything. Like he's basically tried every single thing. And we didn't really give him like a lot of processed sugar till he was one. We still don't really give him a lot of processed sugar because if I'm going to give him anything, I would prefer for it to be homemade at this point. It doesn't have to be, but he's so little. It doesn't really make a difference quite yet, I don't think. He can't really ask for ice cream out and about. So, you know, we don't really eat a lot of processed food, like our fast food very much anyway, just because we love to cook. So we'd rather like make a really bomb grilled cheese or something like that at home. But anyway, so he's had all the things he's had, you know, flour, sugar, butter, all, all of that. He had a real cupcake at his first birthday. And that was like his first dessert. And it was really cute. He ate a lot of it. And we were like, should we it was like a huge cupcake by the end. It was like, should we take it away? Um, it's funny. Cause then the other night we were at Thomas's mom's birthday party and I gave him a cupcake and he just like ate a bite and then he pushed it away. And I was like, wow, it's really cool to see kids. Like, you know, you, you have this perception that like, Oh, if they eat a cupcake, they're just going to want cupcakes. And it's like, not true. They're so intuitive. And, and they really know, like he eats everything. He eats veggies, he eats fruit. He eats a lot of stuff. And at the end of the day, I just, I just really want to be intentional about him not being afraid of food, about having everything around and like if he wants to get Chick-fil-A or like something like that's okay. Like we can go on a special date to get Chick-fil-A. Like that's fine. It's just, I think in the majority of everything of, you know, eating mostly whole real foods at home, like, but we cook a lot of stuff, but we, we have a mix, but I am also super intentional. I try to be super intentional about eating with him when he eats meals. Um, I started this from the beginning because I feel like food is like a community thing and it's like a community aspect and that I want him to eat with me because I think it teaches them one, how to eat. It teaches them that like we eat together and he also eats everything that we eat. So like if we're making a meal, he typically eats exactly what we're eating just like in a deconstructed way. And then that way he doesn't like, he doesn't feel left out. Like why do mommy and daddy get to eat that? And like, I'm eating this. So that's just been kind of something we've followed when we've done baby led weaning ish type of thing. But yeah.
1: (laughs) And you know, in the future when we have kids, I'm going to go to you for advice because I feel like you've got it figured out. And I so appreciate that.
0: And everybody thought I was crazy with doing like the way we fed him. But now everybody's all full force into it. So (laughs) I feel like I like learned a lot, but I would do it for any baby or help
1: anybody with it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lex, for coming on the show today, for sharing your journey. If people want to learn more about you and follow you, where can they find more information?
0: Yes. So they can find me on my Instagram. It's restoring underscore radiance. And then I also have a blog, restoreyourradiance.com.
1: Awesome. Thank you again so much for chatting with me. And thank you for being such a positive light in this space. I really do appreciate being in your company and just getting to be a part of your journey.
0: Oh, thank you. And thank you so much for having me. I love following you. And I feel so honored to be on your podcast.
1: Oh, thank you. So there you have it. Huge thank you to Lex for coming on the show today and for being so open and honest about her story. And I know a lot of you can relate to it. And I hope it can inspire you to know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, that there is a way to live your life where it's not controlled by the food that you eat and the way you move your body, that you can get to a place where you can enjoy food and exercise and love your body all at the same time. I know because that's the life I live now and as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode I certainly have my days but I recognize those as part of the human experience and know that I don't need to manipulate my body to feel worthy or to feel good about myself. It really it never gets there even though I tried really hard for a long time. It never happens. So hang in there. If you are struggling, know that you can find support in the THM Tribe. If something came up in today's episode and you want to talk about it, feel free to head over there. It's such an amazing support and a great community. So it's just facebook.com slash group THM Tribe. And if you guys want to hear more episodes on this topic or just, you know, body image in general, like I said, this isn't something that I'm necessarily seeking out more of but I also recognize that it's an important conversation for us to have and to continue the dialogue as the show moves into the future that's what's kind of cool about the show is that it's four years old now we're on season five and it's very much grown up alongside me and a lot of my interests have driven the direction of the show but I also understand that there's a community that I serve and I want this to feel like a collaborative process and it was really great to hear from you guys about what you guys. Find interesting and who you want to hear from. So, thank you again to everyone who filled out that survey. And if you want to support the show in any way, I would love if you subscribe so that you never miss a future episode and left a review on iTunes. It's just a great way to support me and the show and to hear from you guys really means the world to me. So I would love if you did that. And with that, coming up next week on the show, we have Lindsay Mack, and she's going to be talking about tarot and using tarot as a source for healing. She experienced a lot of PTSD in her upbringing, so she's going to be sharing more about that. And I think a lot of people can relate to the experience of trauma in childhood and the effects of it later on in life if you don't find a way to release it. And so we're having a conversation about different options in terms of how to connect with the things that have happened to you and allow them to drive you forward rather than to stunt your growth. So stay tuned for that one. It's a really, really good one. I was so excited to chat with Lindsay. And I hope you guys have a wonderful week. I need to go blow my nose now. <laughs> have a good one. Bye, guys.